part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The only podcast you're going to listen to when you're locked in my car on a four-hour drive to wherever I decide. I am Jared Stormer of AmazingBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of AmazingBrew.com. Andy, you modern American podcast Viking prince. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. It's been a good week. <clears throat> Weather's warming up. Summer's in the air. And football's, what, 80 days away? 85 oh, days? Man, we're getting there, man. <clears throat> we are absolutely getting there. It's uh, 94 degrees and miserable here in Denver, but nonetheless, not here to complain. We have basketball on, if you're a fan of that. Um, playoff hockey, which I'm not a huge hockey guy throughout the year, but man, that is one of the most pure sports to watch come playoff time. It's just so stressful because one goal swings it so much. The action's so nonstop. There's such few breaks in the game. It's kind of a revelation after you watch like the last two minutes of a close NBA game and it takes 45 minutes. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I mean, we're both NBA fans, but yeah, the, the fact that it's so fast paced, even though it might be low scoring, big fan. So it is not a, not necessarily a dead time of the year for sports and never a dead time of the year for us. And we are talking Michigan football. Last week, we did our all-Harbaugh offense, which was a lot of fun and kind of a, an interesting exercise in the sense that you have to start trying to rank some of these players from different eras and different teams. And we're going to do the same thing tonight for the defense, which is probably even going to be a more difficult exercise, if I had to say. Yeah, when we were working on this throughout the week, you and I were going back and forth like, what about this guy? And it's like, oh, he sucked. And he pulled up his numbers like, oh, Third team All-American. Ah, guess guess he didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, we were pretty on with everyone except uh, Ben Bredesen, where we were just like, yeah, he had a pretty good career, didn't we? And we saw All-American. We're like, yeah, we suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny how quickly you forget how dominant a player could be or how just a good player was like in 2015 because it feels like a, a decade ago. And I mean, almost is at this point. So it's weird going right. back and seeing some of the names getting refreshed. It's like, wow, Drake Johnson had... A bunch of catches in the Florida bowl game. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, things that you absolutely forgot about. And you're like, I'm sorry, how many passes did Diamante Thomas break up in 2016? So definitely a uh, an enjoyable exercise and looking forward to talking about the defense tonight. But let's first get caught up. There is some news out there. Uh, this isn't necessarily news because it didn't happen to Michigan, but it was looking like we were trending towards USC defensive tackle transfer Jay Toya, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, in the middle of the night, he chose UCLA over Michigan. And really, this isn't the end of the world and wouldn't even normally be news other than the fact that we are really cold in recruiting right now. Uh, we're cold in the sense that we need a lot of transfer help and it doesn't look like it's coming. So this uh, this was a big miss. I mean, defensive tackle, it's been well documented. We're not breaking new ground here about how that's a position of need, even though we are switching to something closer with 3-4. This would have been a big get for us. And it's you could say it's indicative of where the program's at right now, but that might be, you know, the, the tail wagging the dog. How do you think that this really shows what's going on at Michigan right now? Is this and the, and the cold recruiting kind of indicative of the, where the program's at? Uh. Not really. I think it's small, maybe a little bit in a vacuum here. With the transfer especially, it seemed like he wanted out of USC but wanted to stay close to home. Apparently that's what it seems like. I assume he's from there if he's going right next door to UCLA. The cold recruiting is worrisome. They have a big event coming up at the big house, so we'll learn more in the coming weeks from that. I don't look too into it. And what are you talking about? We got a great defensive tackle transfer. He's He's been in football for 10 years. He's 400 pounds. He's from Oregon State. I don't know his name, but he's huge, and he's played football forever. 
pretty sure he had a tumor on his heart last year, and he's 31 years old. He's a seventh-year senior, I think, so he's been playing football since 14. <laughs> he had no other D1 offers. So you'll forgive me if that doesn't have me doing cartwheels out of the room. I'm just saying it's Willie team. Henry meets Mohurst. You wait on – I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's a – bi- a big D-tackle transfer would be nice here, at least – Maybe Chris Hinton takes a step up and becomes the the clog there. We'll see. But I'm holding judgment on the recruiting now, especially with Mo Linguist's departure. And let's see where things shake out in a month. I was just baiting you there. That was some Skip Bayless tactics. I want to see if I could get you to go off on how terrible the program is and everything. But, no, I agree with you. It doesn't really mean that much, but this would have been a nice get. So If it were after a bummer. Michigan loss, I'd be ripping into the program. But we need to start with the janitors. We're going to fire them, too. <laughs> start there and work your way up. Do it backwards. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think we could use a cornerback more than we could use a defensive tackle. So if it was a cornerback that was like some, you know, all Pac-12 cornerback and we miss out on him at the last minute, I might be going off a little bit more. But we can we can stomach this for now or I can stomach it for now. Yeah, we still ha- we, we still have a five-star defensive tackle on this roster that could turn into the monster this season in Chris Hinton. And Mozzie Smith was a very high four-star. So the talent's there, and I'm in complete agreement with you at corners where we need the help. Yeah, 100%, man. We've, we've got ways to make up for that sort of thing. So uh, other news, and I don't know, once again, this is pseudo news. This is fringe news, some off-season, you know, tidbits. The Ohio State graphic, did you see this? The fact that they were that got put up, I think, in the locker room. It's a graphic that reads, what have you done to beat Ohio State today? And it was kind of like minorly being talked about, definitely being laughed about, um, you know, with the Ohio State players, which, you know, with your record against us recently, I suppose you have that right. Is this a sign that the times are changing and there's an attitude shift, or is this just too little, too late, and, and it's mouth service? <clears throat> I love this. I It could be either one, but I love there at least an effort to do it. You know, it's like maybe it is service to it, but it took time. They put it up. Everyone's going to see it. It seems to be an emphasis, which I love. I wish this had been there for the last six years, but it's up there now. And, you know, we'll see if it makes any kind of difference in the game at the end of the season with Ohio State in kind of a rebuilding year. But no, I love the effort. I'm not going to knock them for trying it. I mean, if it was me, I would have pictures of JT Barrett and Cardell Jones. I mean, you wouldn't be able to go anywhere in that locker room without being reminded you haven't gotten it done. So this to me is it's way little too late in my like current state, but I am glad that they did it. Like, I'm not upset that they finally listened to what we've all been clamoring for, because that's been a criticism of the Harbaugh era. It's just another game to him where to everyone else that's in this program, it's not. And I mean, maybe within the program, that's not how it's viewed, but the way that he speaks to the media and that's what comes to the fans, it's always kind of come off to us like he treats it like it's no different than the Penn State game. I never minded it too much early on when the games are competitive, even in 14 with JOK at quarterback. Michigan was up to 14 nothing lead because it felt like Harbaugh was kind of taking the pressure off the players. And I don't mind that. Like, it maybe doesn't serve the fans as much, doesn't get us amped up. But I was like, okay, maybe this is what's happening. But after the last two seasons, I'm like, let's put more emphasis on this, see if we can really take that step. I mean, I would have the Ryan Day quote, I'm going to hang 100 points on Michigan all over every defensive, yeah. every all over every defensive player's stuff everywhere in there. So, yep. again, I like the effort. We'll see if it's too late, though. 
you and I are definitely fans of the pettiness and that sort of bulletin board stuff. Not everybody does that. But in this rivalry, they're doing it, and look how they come out every time. So, And it's been done in the past at Michigan, so because of that, I'm a big fan of it. And, yeah, put the clock up on the wall. Yeah. Count it down because it's been a while. It's going to read a pretty horrific number. Almost 10 years. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of hours. Yeah. <laughs> counting in hours. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff they could do. I'm sure there's going to be more stuff throughout the season, throughout the summer, going to be placed all over the facility. So, no, I love it. I love the focus on this game. I'm not a Michigan fan that says, oh, I could, I'd could, i be better off if we went 1-11 than 11-1 as long as we beat Ohio State. Like, No, that's no. Uh, that's absurdity. So That's dumb, although I am one of those Michigan fans that says, at this point after 10 years, like last year I would have taken it. How great would that have been? Awful, rather, terrible would, year. You know, I would rather go 8-4 and four and beat Ohio State than 10-2 and two and lose. There you go. Yeah, like something closer to that. I'd rather go six and six and six, and beat them every now and again. Not yeah. every year, yeah, but I, I want to be, be six. Like, yeah, this isn't Bo Pelini here. Like, no, 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 not every year. But if it was like, oh man, we had a really good year. We won ten games, but didn't beat Ohio State. Another really good year. We won nine games, didn't beat Ohio State. Then we had a six win year, but we beat Ohio State. Like you're resetting the clock for me. I'm immediately like, you just bought yourself some time because those ten wins and the nine wins. And you got the monkey off your back. Like it doesn't have to be at the same time, but you got to get the monkey off your back. Yeah, this this is the year to do it too because their uncertainty at quarterback for them. They have the highest rated quarterback prospect of all time coming in next season. Gross. So I'm already going to make fun of him because he got a dorky mullet and a Bible verse tattooed on his forearm. So just like every person I ever hated, and yeah, yeah not a fan. So I hope we can just do it this season and then we can just move on. I assume he listens to mumble rap and treats women disrespectfully. Oh, very, very popular on TikTok as well. <laughs> yeah, all these things. I hate him already. He's going to be terrible. <laughs> Spitting down on the generation, Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fine. We've got McCarthyism. We yeah. know all about it. <laughs> he was born in what, 2003? I don't want any part of this. Right? Man doesn't even know who Charles Woodson is. Get Can't even here. spell 9 11. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> All right, man, let's move on from this. We're still a ways out from the game. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, let's move into the all-hardball offense and defense. We're on to the defense tonight, but wanted to do a quick recap of the offense because I had a week to sit on it and been doing more stats dive. That's that's We're not big stats guys here on Out of the Blue. If you happen to be a, a listener of the past few years, that's not really our avenue. We're more eye test guys and, and nonsense, some combination. Uh, but this one was definitely a stats dive. So, like, after looking at even more stats on the offense and getting to the defense, definitely some some revelations. So, uh, you have the the all-hardball offense pulled up over there? Yeah, I got it right here, man. Um, so, start at receiver. Our three receivers were Nico Collins, J.U. Chesson, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Just missed was Amara Darbo, who statistically you could argue over Chesson or DPJ, but you and I had this discussion that, eye test, explosiveness, all-around game. So we gave the nod to Chesson. So we're not just reading straight, well, he had six more catches here. And if you look at this number, it's like, come on. Right, yeah. I feel like we need to explain our criteria is kind of why I wanted to go back through this because it is going to be some eye test, some stuff like what they meant to the team. Because there are some guys like, uh, and you'll get to one here in a minute, where they didn't play as many years. Yep. And then you'll have guys that played all four years under Harbaugh and put up big stats, but maybe they were not as meaningful stats as the guy that played two 
and didn't have his biggest stats, but was a team captain. Exactly. So, and we're doing stats based off the Harbaugh era. So that's only two years for players like Chesson and Darbo. And then you'd have like already three Carl years of Ronnie Bell, Bell, for example. Right. Exactly. So, okay, perfect. Continue, so, please. Things like that. We're just trying to get the best Harbaugh players out here. Let's be real. Uh, yeah. Tight end, uh, runaway, Jake, Jake, Butt. there's no conversation. No to discussion. Have. Quarterback, Dad Rudock. One season under Harbaugh, the next comparison would have been next argument would have been Shea Patterson, whose best season was a little higher than Rudock's. But Rudock's last like four games at Michigan were absurdly good. Even he put the Ohio State game, which was a blowout, which I was at, unfortunately. Like even then, like Hope scrambling around the field, tight game at the half, and still put up some numbers. And the Florida game just left such a wonderful taste in my mouth. <laughs> Weird way to put it, but you're right. Uh, <laughs> no, I always describe Dad Rudock. What's wrong with this? <laughs> I mean, and I agree with you. And this is the example I was talking about because you're only taking one season. And like Wilton Spate, you know, was very valuable to this program in a great 2016 run. And, you know, had better numbers if you take, you know, overall, he had bigger numbers, maybe not better per season. And, but yet you went Shea Patterson next over Wilton Spate. And that's because he was just maybe like a little bit more dynamic, a little bit bigger numbers than Spate and single game actions, a little bit more touchdowns, more rushing yards, more rushing touchdowns. And uh, our editor, Anthony Broom, just did a really good piece on Maze and Brew. Uh, definitely go check it out, ranking the best hardball quarterbacks. And he nailed it spot on. Um, it was the exact rank. We both agree that is that is the correct ranking. And in that ranking, I think he had Spate over Patterson, right? No, Patterson two, Patterson Spate over. three, McNamara four. Perfect. And that's exactly how I see it too. But I could see that argument for Spate and Patterson. I could see someone swapping that, but I have it the same. I have Patterson too. Spate's a great what if, because if he never gets hurt at Iowa, right. what happens to the Ohio State game? What happens the next season? So that's a fun deep dive as well. Uh, moving on, running back Karan Higdon, only running back to have a thousand yard season. Hassan Haskins could have something to say here. That would be interesting. But, you know, again, Higdon's done it. So we're sticking with the numbers, not potential on this list with you um john runyon jr left tackle great pick the most surprising rise to all harbaugh team of all time this was just like absurd like it was just oh okay there he is uh ben bredesen our biggest miss when we were like yeah it's between him and glasgow and pulled up the stats and was like um yeah he was an all-american okay let's say all-american and then we, yeah, but at least credit to us we shut up and moved on and exactly we wrong. <laughs> and glasgow is an honorable mention here uh, yep. Cesar Ruiz at center, Michael Onwenu at right guard, Mason Cole at right tackle, honorable mention to Jalen Mayfield, and also honorable mention to Ben Mason at fullback because yep. I think he we both agreed he was the best fullback of the Harbaugh era, especially if he didn't have to switch positions three times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like we got that pretty close to spot on. I mean, there's only like one or two things that you could make a real argument for, and we and we mentioned them as honorable mentions. So, yeah, I haven't uh, looked through happy. the comments on the article posted last week. I'm sure there's somebody just riding really hard for Kyle Kalis, so I can't wait to look or, at like, it. <laughs> like Ronnie Bell, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you're riding hard for someone that we didn't mention as an honorable mention, you're probably wrong. Like Eric Magnuson, bro. Yeah, Eric Madison's to me. Look at Williams. Look at those stats, man. It's like, dude, stop. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> the stats on Kyle Kalis, what would they be? Like 39 games started? Like, sweet. <laughs> Hold on. Why you say that? I'm just going to pull up Kyle Kalis' stat real quick. Very good. I'm How many games did Kyle Kalis start, do you think? Um, I would guess probably four years at 12 games a pop. Probably didn't miss too many. Just um, put me right at 40. 
38, 38. 38 is we're going to ride with. Um, yeah, I'm going to ride at 38. Appeared in 50 games, made 40. How? <laughs> That's made impressive. 43 starts at right guard and was all big team third 10 in 2015. Okay. All, all right. big 10 second team in 16, which is kind of, what is the, what is the, what is the AFCA all American second team? What are we doing here? AFCA? Who is that? Yeah, no. So Kyle Kayla stands, please stop. Nah, I don't think there's many of them really pounding down the message boards like you are rabble rabble. The AFCA Twitter is just going nuts. The AFCA hive going nuts. All right. Time to switch over to the defense. And as fun as the offense was, the Harbaugh era is really defined by its defense. I don't think that's breaking any new ground here. So when we finally got to this exercise and wanted to go through and find the best ones. It was not as easy as the offense. I would say there was way more debate here. Um, there's some areas just like on the offense where it's, it's pretty clear and there's very clear starters, but yeah, this, this Harbaugh era has had some absolute studs come through. So this was a lot of fun. Where do you want to start on this defense, sir? Let's go ahead and start with our locks. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's start with the locks and let's start Let's start at safety. You want to go position by position? We can do that. Yeah, we can work yeah, it yeah. that Let's way. Go position by position, and there is a lock at safety. So um, because we're playing him at safety, I think you know who that's going to be, and that's Jabril Peppers. Um, the way that we did this, especially since we've played some strange defenses and we've mixed up coordinators, uh, we're we're doing it how we would field the defense. Exactly, and Jabril, I mean, was kind of positionless. Played corner, played some safety, played linebacker, and you can go through the stats. I mean, all—I mean, unanimous All-American, Heisman Trophy finalist. That's end of list. Like, come on. Even in 2015, he was All-American second team. <laughs> he was the first right. player in Big Ten history to win three individual awards by the conference. There was, I mean, yeah, you got the numbers there for his Harbaugh era. Do you have his stats? But even as stats aside, there's some guys we didn't even pull up the stats for because we just put them in there. Yeah. Uh, we have the stats pulled up for everybody else. But Jabril Peppers is the definition of passing the eye test. And then you attach Heisman to the name. You attach, you know, top pick, you know, first round draft pick. Everything that came with it, the electricity of watching him, the fact that he brought juice back to the program. Um, he was revered by his teammates as the best player on the team, on a team full of studs. So this dude is a guy that could come in and absolutely you have to game plan around him where he's at on the defense. There's not many chess pieces like that. So he had to be on this team. And he might be more impactful closer to the line, as we saw when he went to Cleveland and then New York. Not as strong in coverage, but improving in coverage. At Michigan, he was kind of a liability in coverage. But still, I think the place to play him here is safety. Yeah, I wouldn't go to liability, but it was definitely a week. I thought he was better in coverage in uh, DJ Durkin's system than he was Don Brown's. I loved him in Durkin's system in coverage. He finished up that year in, say, finished up 16. It's funny, the positions li uh, listed on sports reference are freshman, DB, sophomore, safety, junior, linebacker. <laughs> Like I can't, you can't find many players that are Heisman finalists that change positions two times. Right. And I mean, that has to go to like a check in the box of, you know, reasons why he's on the all Harbaugh team. I mean, it, everywhere, put him where you want. Yeah. He had 10 pass deflections in 2015 in coverage. That's pretty impressive considering 2015. Well, he was playing, they have him listed mostly at corner in 2015. Safety. 
that had safety in 2015. That's a lot for a safety. That's, that's a, a lot. lot for a safety. And I that's mean, the same year JD had, what, 20? Yep. Uh, JD had 20 in a year. You had 30 passes defended between JD and Jabril Peppers in 2016. That is wild. That is a lot. It is insane. And this doesn't even mention like what Peppers did on special teams, what he did on offense. He almost had 200 rushing yards in 16. (laughs) Stupid. Such an obvious lock. And yeah, if you get to count him and use him for those other things that he could bring to the table, like a punt and kick returner, it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. So, okay. Now second safety, the second safety is such a fun debate. I had a lot of fun with this one. Okay. You want to take us through the candidates? Yeah. So the other candidates, this was interesting. So the, the candidates that we were debating between Jared Wilson, one season under Harbaugh, Josh Metellus, who had all four Tyree Kennel, 15 to 18, under uh, Harbaugh, kind of the underrated guys, and Daimonte Thomas, uh, just 2015, but really solid 2015 here. So we'll start with Jared Wilson and Daimonte Thomas, who were your 2015 safeties. Uh, The Forgotten Year, a really good defense that had the three straight shutouts. Jared Wilson played all 13, 38 solo tackles, 38 assisted for 61 total. One tackle for, for loss, not great. One sack, not great. Two interceptions, three passes defense. Now, nothing there really stands out. Um, He was all Big Ten, honorable mention there. Nothing really stands out about that other than across the board, it's really solid. Like, he didn't really lack anywhere. Yeah, that's a good point to have for him. He's kind of like a stable piece. He's not going to mess up. He's not going to break the game, but he's just going to always be there. And we saw what he did in the NFL. So that would really be the big thing for Jared Wilson is you saw what he did after that. Not the best argument. So that's why I went with him first. I would say probably the first, the first leave off of that group. All right. Eliminate him. Next week, <clears throat> my next weakest candidate and stop me if I'm wrong would be Tyree Kinnell. 154 total tackles. Certainly nothing to sneer at nine for loss, one sack, two interceptions, one touchdown, seven passes defensed, but that's all that's career. So those numbers, not as big, but two-time All-Big Ten honoree and a captain. So you get the captain aspect, you get two Big Ten nominations under Harbaugh, but if you go year-by-year average, less so than Wilson. Let me give you one counter for Cano. Mm -hmm. In 2017, he had 66 total tackles, four and a half for loss, one sack, his one career sack, two picks, and five passes deflected and one touchdown. By far his best year, and if you got that production every single year, that's almost as good as you're going to see. We got some more numbers coming up for single seasons that trump that, but that's that's a fair argument, and that would be the one that you want to use, um, but really got exposed later on in coverage, and those tackles, while really good, the best tackling safety here, I think, that we're going to mention. I believe he I led think- the team in tackles in either 17 or 18. I mean, uh, with 60, that would be the year. He had 60-something that year. I think it was 18, actually, the year Bush was gone. 2018? I'd be very surprised if he led the tackles in 2018. I got it right here. 2018. Yeah, I'd be very surprised. If he did, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a check mark for his resume here as the sec- second starting safety. But I've got him a little lower. I mean, a really good run-supporting safety, but... Very much so. Like he, your ideal strong safety, he's not going to play center field for you. And in our, you know, argument here, we already have the run stopping safety and total right. tackles. Tyree Cannell led the team in eighteen over Devin Bush. 
that's so surprising. That's not that many tackles. No, he had 72, Devin, but it was really balanced. 72, Devin Bush, 66, Winovich, 59. Because you'll have years where one guy has 120. Exactly. So, yeah, Kendall led the team in tackles in 18 on one of the best defenses at Michigan. So, interesting argument. There you go. That's why he's getting mentioned here, but I think we could probably move on to the next guy. To me, it comes down to one of these next three guys, and that's Metellus, Delano Hill, or Diamante Thomas. Um, I don't know who the next one to take off is. Diamante Thomas had an awesome 2015 and 2016 campaign. 2016, 64 total tackles, one interception, nine passes defended, which is a lot at the safety position. Very strong. Uh, Delano Hill, his best year, probably 2016, um, where he was in uh, second team, all Big Ten. 50 total tackles, four and a half or lost, three interceptions, nothing to sneer at, a touchdown and three passes defended. So you get the touchdown in there. You get the three interceptions, which we don't have a lot of big interception numbers ever on our team. So um, of those two, who do you like more? I like DeMonte Thomas more. I would agree. I would take him off, and I think the argument now becomes DeMonte Thomas against our last one, which is Josh Metellus. Surprisingly, settle down, everybody. But in his best, I mean, you say his best season, but in 18, he had 47 total tackles, three and a half for loss, three picks, one touchdown, five passes def- defended. In his last three years, he had a total of 14 passes defended. And in his tackles were just very consistent from sophomore to senior year. 50 tackles, 47 as mentioned, and 74 as a senior. Found the end zone, had a uh, fumble recovery and a forced fumble. Yep. Three-time All-Big Ten honoree. Uh, 2018 all big 10 first team had a great 2018 to me this is probably the pick um the more that we've talked about it and run through this i think the more you have to he just left a bad taste in our mouth from you know some of the last times that we saw him but if you go back overall over his career and it's not just because he was there the entire harbaugh era he really was a game-breaking safety there for a couple years for at least 17 and 18 was the kind of safety that you could actually swing a game for you. Was it, I believe it was SMU, the team struggling in the first half, and then as time the expired, door. he takes the pick into the end zone, scores, and shuts just, the door. Yeah, yep. everything opened it up. It was not too long after that, I believe, he shut the door again with another interception. Didn't run it back for a touchdown, but I think he shut the door twice that same season. Yeah, so, SMU season. so looking back at Metellus, it kind of opens everything up a little bit because like you said the bad taste in your mouth from watching him get cooked by K.J. Hamler as a senior, you forget he shut K.J. KJ Hamler down as a junior with the 18 squad right? and the Ohio state disasters. I mean, Ohio state, I think you should throw both those games out from any memory when comparing any of these players in 18 and 19 on a player level. Yes. Correct. When the whole team is absolutely just floundering and sinking like an anchor. I don't think that you can put that on one guy and be like, yeah, I remember him in this game. I mean, there's, there's some bad ones. I mean, there's, you know, Brandon Watson, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, Watson is, if you want to pick one villain, Metellus Hudson had an awful game. Um, freaking our boy uh, Patterson, yeah. humbling the snap when it was perfectly right to him. I mean, there's so many villains. You can't pick one guy and write him off because of that. Metellus's career, I think, speaks for itself. So I think it's Peppers and Metellus at safety. Agreed. And it's a nice balance, too, of box safety and coverage safety. I really like it. I think that's a pretty strong safety unit, so feel pretty good trotting that out there. Uh, How about we take a break, and then we will come back to the rest of this team? Sounds good, man. All right, we'll be back right after this. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are doing the Harbaugh era team. We did the offense last week. We are in the process of doing the defense. Just got through safety, which was a fun discussion. Where do you want to go to next, my brother? There's uh, plenty of good good topics out here. Let's go to our two starting corners, because like safety, there's one lock, and there's a really fun debate for the other position. Love it. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, everyone knows the lock. I mean, that's so clear. It's We talk about him all the time. He's whew, right there for favorite all-time Harbaugh player. Wasn't he my first overall pick because you went Bush one? Uh, yeah, yeah I, was, I believe so. Yeah, he was my first pick in our Harbaugh draft. Jordan Lewis, uh, absolute lockdown corner. The numbers, they support it in such a good way. Uh, 2015 and 2016, two years with Harbaugh, 79 total tackles, which is studly for a cornerback that didn't get targeted very often. A great tackling corner, if you remember. Uh, he was absolutely nose for the ball kind of guy. One sack, four interceptions, which you would expect to be more, but did not get thrown at in 2016. One touchdown, one forced fumble. 29 passes defended 20 of them came in one season he is michigan's career leader in pass breakups with 45 133 total tackles eight and a half for loss over his career i mean two-time all big 10 first team all american consensus in 2016 consensus all american i mean shut the door right there there's no discussion no, there's none. Just walking away. There's several Jordan Lewis highlights you can even pick out in the season. The one-handed, uh, the famous Jordan interception against Wisconsin. I was at that game. It was crazy when it happened. It's crazy looking back. But still, my favorite JD play is 2015 against Northwestern when the players go up. I forget who he's going against. And it's a 50-50 ball. And they both catch it. And he rips it away and then houses it for a pick six. Just the tenacity, the absolute dog in this player, never the biggest guy on the field, which is why after Jordan Lewis, I was like, yeah, give me 5'10 guys, 5'11 guys from here on out. I want the dog in him, which is why we're so high on Andre Selden. But he had the fight in him that just not every player has. And if I could pick like one player to clone, recreate and put on this year's team, it's Jordan Lewis. Like, Absolutely. He would give us an extra two wins. Would you rather have Jordan Lewis or Devin Bush on this team? Ah, I think we did something similar to this. I'm taking Jordan Lewis, position and need. Like you could sell me that Junior Colson's the next big thing. You can't sell me. We have you can't sell me. We have a corner on this roster. That's the next Jordan Lewis. We're, we're basic Junior Colson off the hope. Yeah, my hope is is strong. Look, I don't have many locks. I don't have guys that I'm like, yeah, this is the guy. I'll be like, man, I'm high on Miles Spider Sims and be wrong. But I don't give locks. Colson's a lock. 
All right. I like it. I love it. There it All is. Right. I mean, I'll, look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All right. But the debate here obviously comes with who you want to start opposite Jordan Lewis. The names in no particular order, Levert Hill, David Long, Ambry Thomas, Channing Stribling. And some people might laugh at Channing Stribling, or you might laugh at Ambry Thomas, but there are cases for both. Honestly, if you just looked at like, – this is where stats will deceive you because if you just look at stats, you're going to laugh at David Long. David Long's best season at Brilliant. Michigan, 20 tackles, two for loss, half a sack, two picks. That I mean, the two picks is decent because we don't have a lot of guys. We said that Channing Str- – uh, we'll get there, but yeah. we don't have a lot of guys that get multiple picks in For a his season. career, he had three, though. Right, so weak. But the stat that we have for David Long that I had to dig up this came from PFF wasn't around for, you know, earlier seasons. They were around for most of the Harbaugh era, but the passer rating when targeted, and this was for 2018, Lavert Hill that year was 38.4 when targeted. He was 12th lowest. David Long was 11.9. He was the lowest targeted cornerback in all of college football. Like that has to count for something. Exactly. Just because teams were afraid to throw his way. And this is a stat that works for he and Lavert Hill, who we'll get into now as well, who was targeted more, but still more than held his own. I mean, still in the elite, like 1% of all corners in college football that season. I mean, during his time with Harbaugh, 56 career tackles, seven TFLs, six picks, two touchdowns, 20 pass deflections, one fumble return, was a third-team All-American and three-time All-Big Ten. I mean, it took him three years to get to what Jordan Lewis did in one year, but let's not compare everyone to Jordan Lewis. Those numbers just in a vacuum are excellent. Um, six interceptions. I mean, averaging two a year, that's strong. You would like that. Ideally, your number two cornerback is doing that. Your number one should be getting closer to four or five. But these guys just weren't targeted very often. Teams went around them. Granted, it was a big 10 year where there weren't many strong quarterbacks that we went up against. And I hear that a lot as kind of a counter argument for the Lavert Hill, David Long thing, because neither has really gone on to do much. And Lavert Hill, we started to see slip even at Michigan towards the end, um, and David Long not getting any run with the Rams. But that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Like some players just don't translate. The fact of the matter is, it was so hard to throw on these guys in 2018, and it's very hard to pick like chicken or the egg here. Is it are they throwing away from David Long because he's so good? Or are they throwing at Lavert Hill because like more things have been converted his way and they're just ignoring David Long? Like, I don't know why nobody threw at David Long that year, but they didn't. And he nobody completed passes against them in the ten times that it happened per season. It was wild. One of my favorite Lavert Hill stats is that his sophomore year, he had five tackles for loss. That was and he only had 15, 24 total tackles. He wasn't playing all the time. He wasn't 17. He was starting. Yeah, he was. Yep. And so he had five tackles for loss, which was more than safety Tyree Cannell and Noah Furbush, our linebacker. <laughs> it's wild, man. It's it's wild. So, I mean, obviously we're kind of leaning towards those guys. Ambry Thomas is in the discussion basically because we had to throw somebody else in there. The numbers don't really equate. So he's probably not there, but Stribling four interceptions. And, you know, part of that 2016 I mean, you got 2016 or 2018, take your secondary. I'll take 16 all day. But he was part of that lockdown secondary in 2016, and he was the pick leader. Now, this is definitely an egg coming before the chicken thing because he was targeted because you don't go at JD. Like, that is clear here. 
Correct, and he was targeted and more than made up for it. The first corner to have over three picks since Blake Countess in 2013. He had four that season and also had 12 pass deflections to go with that. So my first remove, remove Ambry Thomas. Easy, yeah. My second remove, probably Stribling, even though he had the four picks. I think a lot of that is a product of Jordan Lewis being on the other side of the field. Between that and the pass rush they fielded that season, I'm, I'm in agreement. And his aversion to tackling. He was pretty so, allergic to it, but man, that season was, I mean, four picks and 12 pass deflections. That's something. That's electric. So it comes down to Lavert Hill and David Long. Um, and you and I, when we were looking for tiebreakers, we looked at the awards. David Long, two-time All-Big Ten selection. Lavert Hill, three-time um, All-Big Ten selection, but he was third-team All-American. And... That's what swings it for me. The All-American accolade is a very big deal. Then maybe Long would have been if he'd come back that next season because he left early. Don't forget that. And Lavert Hill's case is easily more it's more easily backed up with like a lot more stats than David Long's is. But that PFS stat is daunting. But all in all, I test for me, just guys, I think you just saw more plays his way. I'm gonna go with Lavert Hill. I can't just pick that one cherry picked PFF stat to be like, this is the thing I'm going to cling to as much as like the Lavert Hill really trailed off and man, like almost ended up going undrafted. He really should have gone a he year. He did early, go undrafted. So. Yeah, he did. He did go undrafted. You're right. Which is devastating for a guy that they were talking about. He was mocked in round one after her. I mean, so that is a rough fall off. It, it was devastating. And it's a guy that also left the bad taste in your mouth. And you look back at the stats and you're like, wow, this guy was kind of a cornerstone cornerback for the last three years at Michigan. Here's one last argument before we take Lavert Hill. So if David Long was that amazing as the second guy, or maybe he was the primary guy, he wasn't targeted, would David Long and JD be basically unthrowable against? I mean, it, it's it's hard to say because David Long just didn't see that much action, but the fact that you're not seeing that much action has to account for something. Would that be the more lockdown or would you go with Lavert Hill because he's a little bit more of a playmaker? That's a great point. And this also brings us back to some of our conversations from last week with Darbo or Chesson. That was one of our big debates we had, like, who are you going with? And same thing with, uh, is it and Glasgow? I believe that was our other conversation and it's tough. But the fact that I've seen Lavert Hill at his peak, and I guess David Long's peak is just not being thrown at, I guess that says a lot for him. But Lavert Hill was targeted and was, what, 12th, you said, in the country in that PFF stat? Right. So I'm going with the, the combination of the two. Right. I'm with you. And, and I think that we can settle on a Lavert Hill as two. Uh, but if I'm putting an asterisk somewhere, this might be one of my asterisks. And if we only get to do one, like – um add-on or honorable mention this this is an honorable mention spot for me for david long for just nobody was able to complete a pass on him that that has to mean something in my book like i've said so i'm with you let's go with lavert hill and move on and try and get some sleep at night <laughs> yeah third quarter being that but also i want to read you one quick stat from 17 while i have it up of course <laughs> omari samuels had more tackles for loss in 2017 than josh metellus and ambry thomas so stats can be inaccurate <laughs> and misleading at times, folks. That is my point here. Metellus and Amory <laughs> Thomas had one total sack, tying Omari Samuels, who was a running back. 
That's uh, well illustrated. Thank you. For that. <laughs> well okay. illustrated point. Uh, before we move on, got to take a moment to introduce our can't even say newest anymore. We win with home field apparel now for several months coming up on a year. Went through the pandemic with them out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand with the best selection of college apparel that I've seen. I've got an ongoing bet with a Penn State fan over this year's game. It's over a home field apparel. Look, I don't condone gambling, but I do condone home field apparel. Hopefully you're buying Michigan Athletics. We have the best colors. That is not objective. That is scientifically proven. But Homefield, the licensed apparel brand, and they've got you covered with a wide-ranging list of schools, old school and new school, and you can get 20% off your first, first purchase with MNB at homefieldapparel.com. All right, where do you want to move to next, my friend? We got the secondary all wrapped up. Let's continue to move forward, and let's go to linebackers. Since this defense is going to be a 4-3, we have three positions to fill, and we have one lock. We don't need to dwell on it long because the stats are overwhelming and the lock of the linebacking court no surprise of anybody is Devin Bush is this the lock of the locks was I mean to me this was the it was him or JD the one where you're like well let's not even consider it it might have been JD actually is a bigger lock than Bush if you look at the stats hold on I'm gonna pull up Devin all of Devin Bush's stats. I already got Devin Bush's stats pulled up here I mean what year do you want his best <laughs> year was his sophomore year 95 total tackles 10 of them for loss, five and a half sacks. He had an interception no, uh, and seven passes defensed as the linebacker is strong. That's an extremely strong season. No <laughs> doubt about it. And then he follows up with four and a half sacks the next year and another eight and a half for loss. None of those are as insane as Jordan Lewis's stats. Well, and they both pass. He might pass the eye test more than Lewis, but Lewis has the stats and the eye test. I think he's the bigger lock. Well, at Michigan, again, uh, just like J.D., consensus All-American in 18, two-time Walter Camp All-American, two-time Associated Press All-American, um, <laughs> Football Writers Association All-American, Sporting News All-American, Sports Illustrated, AFCA, our boys, two-time Buckus finalist. <laughs> I mean, uh, you can't go wrong either way. We're just, just having fun here. But Devin Bush's stats are just absurd to look at, just like J.D.'s, all the accolades especially – and plus, Devin Bush had my favorite moment of the hardball era, and that is tearing up the field against Michigan State. I mean, I like when he had the sack in that game against Rocky Lombardi, and he unleashed the hyena scream. That, ah! <laughs> I remember it well because I watch it all the time. Like It was such a hyena laugh. I was like, oh, this guy is the pack of hyenas from The Lion King. He's all three of them put into a human. This, Yeah, the fact that he was like trying to fight their whole team before the game was – I mean, feed me. I'm not arguing with you. Like the fact that I'm arguing against Devin Bush is a per the only person that could ever be against is Jordan Lewis. So Devin Bush, a lock on this defense, a starting middle linebacker. But that brings us to a fun conversation about the last two linebackers. Maybe, spots. yeah, maybe the maybe the most interesting conversation here. Oh no, actually, no, no, it's not. No, the no, next that, one. The, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, saving yeah. the We've best for last. <laughs> Uh, but this one became more interesting when you decided, and correctly so, to move Uche to linebacker in this discussion rather than defensive end, where we have a plethora of, of players to already choose from. So moving Uche here, the players we are deba debating between now, um, Josh Uche, Mike McRae, Ben Gideon, and Khalid Hudson. And once again, you kind of have to deal with the fact that we have switch coordinators and switch schemes but we're just going to play this the best that we can. We are running a 
in this Harbaugh era defense because that's primarily what they ran. So that's what we're going to build here. We're going to take three linebackers with one already projected. And you could play Devin Bush anywhere at any linebacker position. I mean, you could play him middle or outside, so we can mix this up. Would Devin Bush be the best cornerback on this year's football team? 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Be the best player on the field. No one would want to target him or look at him or speak to him. Yeah, literally play Devin Bush anywhere. He's probably competing with Alan Bowman and McCarthy for second-string quarterback if you put him on this team. Tremendous kicker. (laughs) Okay, now... Walk, well, let's walk through this. Which guy do you think we can eliminate the first? This I, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start with the first elimination. Let's let's start with Ben Gideon. Okay. I guess. I guess. But I know that's your boy. And Ben Gideon's a tackling machine. If what you want from this, one of your linebacker positions, is a sure tackler, this is your guy. Because, I mean, he went to the Vikings and registered like 100 and something tackles as a rookie, as like a six-round draft pick. Watch him tackle his own mother once. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. He took out the pastor on Easter Sunday. Sunday, I saw it. It was devastating. Three points of contact, great hit. But 128 total tackles in 15 and 16, 18 for loss, four and a half sacks, two passes defended. Now, those aren't like crazy big numbers. He was second team, all Big Ten. And I think the lack of accolades is what makes him his, his the the first exit. But like, he just did not really miss tackles. The thing that helps him is how dominant his that one season was in sixteen. He led the team in tackles with ninety four on the best defense of the Harbaugh era. Fifteen tackles for loss that season, and four and a half sacks and two passes deflected. I think you said it right there. Leading tackler on the best Harbaugh defense is why he's in this conversation and tough to remove. Like and tough leading to take tackler off the list. for loss on the same defense. Yeah. Tough to take off the list when you were one of the most impactful players on one of the best defenses in the country and ever at Michigan. And I mean, in that sense, like ever, <laughs> like you know, 2016 defense was so good. Uh, so do we remove him? <laughs> Well, let's go to the next guy. Okay. And so your next removal, I you might say Khalid Hudson's the next removal here. So I'll let you debate that between Hudson and McRae and Uche here. Who's okay, the next so Khalid Hudson, the hardball air for him is 2016 through 19, 225 total tackles, which is just absurdity. Absurd. 23 tackles for loss, 10 sacks, two picks, 14 pass deflections, one fumble recovery, two forced fumbles, one-time second-team All-Big Ten, two-time honorable mention. And the big stat about Kalik, honestly, kind of where he peaked was his first year as a starter in 17. And he tied the NCAA record with eight tackles for loss against Minnesota. There's no punt block stats on here. He, That's... he blocked several punts. He was very impactful on special teams, vocal leader. I mean, when this team was was struggling at times in 2019 and 2020, you saw him being extremely vocal, especially in 2020, um, or excuse me, in 2019, um, being extremely vocal on the sidelines and in bowl games um, at the end of 2018. What was the bowl game? I think against Florida State. He was the only guy that showed any life. So I get it. This is kind of cherry picking because he really did fall off. And a lot of it was people started to game plan against Don Brown's defense and he wasn't being used the same way. But when properly deployed, this guy was an absolute weapon. 
And depending on what kind of defense you want to build here and what you want to do with your linebackers, uh, he's a tough remove for me. You know I'm a Hudson fan. It's a very tough removal because you look at his, I think this is the argument to keep him, okay? In 2017, his first year as a starter, probably his best season, 77 total tackles, 16 for loss. Jeez. Okay, not even leading the team. That's tied for second. (laughs) Wild, that's a lot. Seven and a half sacks, two picks, nine pass deflections, two forced fumbles. That's just that season. Ben Gideon comes off the list. Was that the 17 season you said? Correct. We're going to do a whole podcast about the 17 season and some of the numbers on that defense. They're wild to think that we didn't win more games. It's absolutely wild. And the fact Um, that in 2019, he had a hundred tackle season, like that's got to factor in. That's crazy. Yeah. So those things factor in. Okay. I understand. Uh, My next remove probably would have been McCray. And maybe I go, I mean, so now we're down to the last two guys. So you know who we're keeping. Um, I would have maybe removed McCray, but then you go through McCray's numbers and McCray doesn't pass the eye test. That's what's dragging him down. But that's the only thing dragging him down. Yeah. 152 total tackles just in Harbaugh's era, by the way. 29.5 for loss. That was mind-blowing. 16 in 2017 alone. He was averaging 15 a season under Harbaugh, which is massive. Nine sacks, so four and a half sacks per season, matching Devin Bush's average, mind you. Two interceptions, matching Devin Bush's average. A touchdown, beating Devin Bush. Six passes defended. Force fumble or a fumble recovery and two forced fumbles. So he beats Devin Bush in several categories, even if you average it out per season. Two time All Big Ten and team captain. Mike McCray's uh, last two seasons. I'm just going to read you tackles, tackles for loss. And <laughs> this is stupid. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. Junior year, 73 tackles, 13 and a half for loss, four and a half sacks, two picks, six passes deflected. 2017. Like that's, 20- that's bet. Dude, that's almost like all American level. Yeah. He was starting, he was playing over Devin Bush. Rightfully. 2017, 79 total tackles, 16 for loss, four and a half sacks, matching it again, no picks, one forced fumble. Yeah. All right. I'm fine with removing Hudson. I'm cool with it. I think we got to take McCray and then our boy Uche, who we'll go through now. It is, it is so, man, McCray. It's a tough, this is a tough one. McCray oh, Hudson is so tough. I know because Hudson has more of the eye test. McCray does not because McCray got exposed against Ohio State. He's just not very fast at all. Like him and Gideon are much slower linebackers. But if you go Bush, McCray, Uche, you're you're covering up that immediately. He's your middle. Oh, man, that is. It's tough. Let's go through Uche real quick and then we'll make our decision. Okay. Uh, Josh Uche who just sparingly, I mean, if you'll remember, this is not that long ago, was only coming off the onto the field situationally. So he only has 52 total tackles in 2016 to 2019. But 19 and a half of them are for loss, and 15 and a half of them are sacks. He defended two passes, two fumble recoveries, and three forced fumbles. So in less time on the field, he's producing more impactful plays than any of the, of the guys that we just mentioned. And for some stats on that, 38% of his tackles, so almost 40% of his tackles were for loss. So, like, we're getting up to the half the times he's touching someone, he's taking them down for a loss. 29% of his tackles were sacks. He's a two-time All-Big Ten honoree. 
and you're putting him here. And this is like the eye test winning out over stats. Cause I mean, obviously he did not have nearly as many tackles or tackles for losses as Ben Gideon or anything like that. But look at how impactful he was. This is, if this is when it gets, this is where our nuance of our own podcast is going to come into this because you could say stat wise, Gideon or McCray should be a lock right here, but Uche is a gamer. We love him. And you gave those percentages, which are absurd. And he struggled to get on the field. And a lot of those, a lot of that production came from the defensive end position. But because the Don Brown defense is so malleable and changed with what he would be doing, I don't hold that against him. And just his game-breaking ability and what he did on the field is why I think he has to be one of the three linebackers. So we're in agreement then. Devin Bush, Uche, Mike McCray. I, I go Hudson over McCray. You would, even after I really thought you were McCray over Hudson. I, I, I thought about it, but the accolades, McCray was two-time honorable mention, Big Ten, um, and Kalik Hudson has, I believe, one or two second team, one second team and one honorable mention. And McCray has the team captain. He does, was was Hudson a team captain? Let me, let me double check. If Hudson Kalik was Hudson. a team captain, I will, I will submit. But if we're taking the team we want to field, I could see why you would want to go Hudson, but Hudson and Bush and Uche is that's kind of a, I don't know if you're going up against a heavy run team, you might want a thumper there in the middle. Mike McCray being a lot bigger than those guys. And that's, that's a point. Let me see. I mean, I love it. Every now and again, we don't agree on something on this podcast and you know, it creates the, uh, the genuine debate that I love. So I, 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 I can't find a team captain for Hudson, but I still go with him. And then 101, ta- 100 and says 102 on the MGO blue site for 19, three pass breakups and one block punt. Oh man. I'm, I'm going okay with, it. with it. So I'll be okay with it. If we use one of our two honorable mentions here. Okay. I'm yep. I agree to that. Okay. That's, so All right. We'll Uche, so Bush. Uche Hudson, but we're using one of our two honorable mentions for Mike McRae, who, put up crazy numbers, but somehow does not flash at all on tape. That's, I never thought we'd say that sentence when we started to plan this a few weeks ago, that Mike McCray would be honorable mention. I eliminated him from our draft because he shared an Instagram with his girlfriend. I know. I don't feel good about any of it the more I go through his accolades. So I'm going to have to go rewatch some tape, see what I was missing. All right, let's move the defensive tackle. This one, not nearly as difficult. Obviously, another place where we had a lock. Uh, you already know who that is. It's Maurice Hurst. Um, there was some debate though about this other one in fact um a debate that i didn't expect to have and that is between ryan glasgow and willie henry for that other dt spot because we are running a four three here yeah it was surprising because when we first did this or looking through the numbers and i was like oh ryan glasgow's a lock and then you know you go back into willie henry forget was 2015 a long time ago but no, Willie Henry was very, very dollars lost his stats real quick, but was very disruptive within that offense and had stats that rival Glasgow's best. Actually, they were better than Glasgow's stats. And if th- you're just going with stats, because wasn't it? Um, I know you're looking it up, but I think it's six and a half sacks. Like he, he had more than Bush ever had in a year. Yeah, he had a crazy production from the defensive tackle position. I believe it's six and a half sacks, and Bush's best year was five and a half. So at the defensive yeah. tackle. And also passes the eye test. Willie Henry, he was just very inconsistent. Correct. Uh, but would have like plays where you're just like, oh my God, he just swallowed a man, consumed him, and then spat out his soul. Like Glasgow <laughs> didn't do that. Glasgow's the opposite 
Uh, any Glasgow is the opposite of the eye test. Jordan maybe passed the eye test more than any of the other guys. Dude, you're not. Dude, we can do a whole podcast about how Jordan Glasgow's actually slept on from 2019. That's fine. We're starting to come up with off-season content. We got some good ideas already. Let's do a whole Glasgow exactly. podcast. I'm here for it. And in in argument of Ryan Glasgow, you he played in 15, but not a lot of production. 15 tackles, one one for loss, one for sack. But the year he broke out was 16 on the best defense of the era. He had eight and a half tackles for loss, 39 tackles, and three sacks. So Willie Henry really gets him there in the sacks. He gets gets him in tackles for loss as well. I think they're really I think they're a wash in total tackles. Glasgow's a little Willie bit. Willie Henry more. gets him an eye test too. He kind of gets him there. And the accolades favor Ryan Glasgow, however. I believe Ryan Glasgow has what is it? Second team, all big 10. And Willie Henry is only an honorable mention. Look, I'm with you here. You put Ryan Glasgow in there and you felt pretty confident about it. That's who I would have picked going into this. And that's I, who I'm sticking with Yeah, because the eye test for big plays is Willie Henry, but the eye test for people that watch every game and watch the trenches, it's Ryan Glasgow. Willie Henry was so inconsistent. Like, he's a more exaggerated version of Mike Onwenu, who like at times like, Oh, that's clearly the best, most absurd athlete on the field that knows how to use his weight and his height and his size to his advantage. But Onwenu was way more consistent than Willie Henry was at defensive tackle. Willie Henry would disappear for games and then would show up and be like, wow, three sacks. What was that? That's a good, that's a really good point. And I think that's going to be the defining one here. If we could use 14 stats where Willie Henry had, five and a half more tackles for loss and an interception and a touchdown, then maybe this argument's different, but it's only Harbaugh era. And yeah, that's that's the point that takes it home. Willie Henry would go disappearing for games at a time. Ryan Glasgow was always popping. I'm with you. Yeah, I think that's right. And if I want to like, if we're picking a team to actually field, definitely give me the consistent guy. A hundred percent. So, and I think that's what voters saw at the end of season accolades and now it brings us to the close where the honorable mentions might outnumber total players on the defense. You can only play two of them. You can only play two of them. We have one lock here. It's defensive end. And I'm just going to go ahead and start with the lock. That is Chase Winovich. Like, you have to lock them in. But even when you're trying to lock guys in here, it's tough at this one because there is a bevy of talent here to choose from. Winovich, A, fan favorite. B, team captain, C, production, D, I test. So to me, that's lock. And here's the stats, 15 to 18, 166 total tackles, 43 of them for loss, 18 and a half sacks, one pass defended, one fumble recovery. I mean, and let's, stats... let's just say 16 to 18 because 15, he was still a tight end. Yeah, I, I am only putting the hardballs there. So yeah, put the years that he was playing. Yeah. So yeah, just those three seasons and you, you and I, you, you already mentioned the 2017 statistical podcast. That's inevitable for us. 19 yeah, just, tackles for loss that year. Let's start there. <laughs> so I, I, I proposed this question off air. What would you rather have a cornerback that will get you 20 passes defended or a defensive end that will get you 19 tackles for loss? And how many sacks did he have? Eight and a half. Which would you rather have? This is so hard. It's a ridiculous question because that that is such a valuable player. Nineteen hey. tackles for loss. Jared, his in twenty sixteen as a backup behind Charlton and Wormley, he had eight and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. That is an absolute monster. <laughs> 
Monster. It shouldn't make any sense. What and are we doing? Yeah. The, the leader of the revenge tour, Chase Winovich, is a lock at defensive end. The man deserves all the medals in the world. All American in 2018, if you needed any more backing up. But yeah, once you see All American, they have to be on that team. Yeah, it, everything else just kind of falls to the wayside. And now. Now it's a discussion. Now it's a discussion. I'll give you the names. And maybe there's a name we're missing, but I, I don't think so. It's Rashawn Gary, Taco Charlton, Chris Wormley, in no order. I have Aiden Hutchinson's number up there because he's the type of guy that could have a big season and all of a sudden get vaulted up there. But we're let's save time here. It's like you you could eat, we didn't even put Quiddy Pay on there. You could yeah, Quiddy Pay is another guy that we definitely thought about. Um his his accolades don't really match up and not, obviously Hutchinson's don't either. I, I'm well aware of that. But he, I just put him up there because he's a guy that could get in there. But we could run Pay's numbers up here, but they're just not anywhere near Gary Charlton Wormley. No. So let's pick one of the three. The, this son. <laughs> just, yeah, just for the record, uh, Quiddy Pay in 2019 as a junior had 50 tackles, which is crazy. 12 and a half for loss, six and a half sacks. That was his high production year. 2020, it's not held against anybody. And yeah, Aiden Hutchinson could be a guy that, He's not going to break on this list because we're about to run through these three guys and just. Right. He would need two more years to break onto this list, honestly. So, yeah, I probably should have put Pay up there instead of Hutchinson, but Pay's done. So, yeah. I, like, how could he? He can't rise anymore. Exactly. We had to mention both Salt and Pepper, though. So. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. okay I'll, I'll start. Uh, First removal. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. I think let's start off with Gary and Charlton for the first debate. Yeah, that has to be the first debate. To me, my first removal is Gary, which is surprising, but maybe not to some. Often debated, often maligned, five-star recruit, came to Michigan, supposed to be the savior. People really, really ragged on him in 2018 because he didn't have the numbers on this star-studded defense. But you and I, like, because we grinded tape in 2018, that was the most tape I've ever watched of any team, probably ever. I don't know that I'll ever watch tape like that again. He was drawing double teams like 40, 50, 60% of the time. As, and as the season went along, he was drawing more double teams because he was getting better in 2018. And he allowed, like, Winovich has to owe some of his production to Gary. 100%. Like, he has to. He uh, has to. 100%. His production dropped off from 17, but still in 17, Rashawn Gary had 58 tackles, 11.5 for loss, 5.5 sacks, and a forced fumble. So I, I hate when people he... label him as a bust. No, it's ridiculous because as he got better and I still maintain an 18, like he was, he got injured later in 18. If you remember, he wasn't all the way going into Ohio state, but before he got injured, like people were double teaming him every time. And Winovich was going nuts. It, he was going nuts because you can't single team Winovich, but you have no choice when Rashawn Gary is pushing both your tackle and your guard into the backfield. Like he was taking two guys on and winning. And then Winovich is just one-on-one -on -one and good luck, like yeah. good luck. Yeah. Like, so it's stats don't tell the story of Gary and we are among people and not like, it sounds like I'm really jerking each other off here with <laughs> saying all this. Like I'm not like, we just watched a lot of tape that, that year yeah. and we really focused on Gary a lot. And we were like, yo, this dude is doing more than the stats show. So he will be our first removal because there has to be one. 
because right. Agu gets Taco Charlton's best season, which is 16 on that defense. And also remember that they weren't playing full games because you saw Chase Winovich's stats. You see the blowouts, and he still produced 13 and a half tackles for loss and 10 sacks. Crazy. <laughs> 10 That's sacks. Crazy. Like they get five against Rutgers. Right? Right? I mean I thought it was ten and a half sacks. No, just ten here on on sports reference. Against Rutgers alone, he had two against Indiana, he had two and a half. Oh no, I'm sorry, those tackles for loss. He had two sacks against Rutgers and two and a half against Ohio State in that in the most important game of the year, the game we won. Wait, in Ohio State? Yeah, the JT Barrett game. Come on, we won that game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we, 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 Jared, we won that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. It took me a second to catch up, and I'm like, am I forgetting a, a win? But, yeah, we won that game. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why he takes this spot over Gary. I agree. He should. And the fact of the matter is, like, you have to go back to Brandon Graham to get a guy that had that level of sacks. Yep. So, and then before that, you're going back even further. It just doesn't come along. And if he had what did you already say that if he had one more sack he's the all-time leader for a season it was two more we were one off it two, oh, okay. two more Maybe. sacks he would have tied the michigan single uh, okay. season record. that's not necessarily as strong of a stat but yeah i mean close right up there with all-time leaders for a season in sacks and then yeah so then it comes down to charlton or wormley and we've got to remove one obviously the way that we've ordered it we've given you kind of our preference here uh but chris wormley here it's kind of surprising that this would be the last guy you would name though, because you've got two absolute pass rushing studs that we just glossed over that put up big sack numbers, big tackle for loss numbers. Gary put up then, like we said, the things outside of the stat sheet, but Chris Wormley has it all. Chris Wormley was the leader of this team. And if you were watching those games in 15 and 16, you were watching them closely. He carried the mouthpiece. 79 total tackles. This is just Harbaugh era, not whole career, because he did have some decent stats under Brady Hoke. 22 tackles for loss, so averaged 11 per loss per year. 12 sacks, so he's averaging six, so he averaged more than Devin Bush ever did. One pass defense, one forced fumble. Second team All-American. First team All-Big Ten. Uh, and No, two-time two All-Big Ten. One-time first team, one-time second team, and team captain. This is, I never thought I'd say this sentence, but after the stats and even looking like as an 18 year old at Michigan, he played in 10 games, had four and a half tackles for loss and two and a half sacks, one pass deflection and a fumble recovery, just immediately on the field, making plays. Those don't factor in to our actual discussion right now, but they do to what I'm about to say. I think Chris Wormley is the most complete defensive end we've had at Michigan all around. Also, maybe the most underrated player we've had at Michigan. Yeah, agree to both. I, I, Looking through it, thinking back to what he did from 2015 to when he was the pass-rushing giant of 14.5 tackles for loss, 6.5 sacks, to just the stalwart of only, I mean, quote-unquote regressing to 7.5 sacks, and, or 5.5 sacks and 7.5 for loss in 16, as Charlton got a lot of the shine. He could do everything. Anything you ask a defensive end, he could do. Also, moving to defensive tackle because you have Rashawn Gary on the roster and you got to find a way to get him on the field. And he did that, and he did it extremely well because he's 6'5". He's huge. So for our team, having him opposite Winovich and having, I mean, you don't want to single either of those guys. One's too strong for you. One's too quick for you and too strong for you. 
So that's difficult. I mean, this this was such a difficult decision, and it's difficult to even know who we give the honorable mention here to. You could put Taco Charlton and Rashawn Gary for that matter, but if we're just going to do one per position group, he joins the likes of David Long and Mike McRae, which is not bad company to be in with the stats we've read off. Yeah, so if we have to get rid of one, we get rid of David Long, Mike McRae, or say, I know Charlton has the better stats, but like, man, if you could put Rashawn Gary. Uh, all right, we'll go Charlton then. So you got to remove one. Long McRae Charlton. We said two. If I had to, re- if I had to remove one from that list, I would just choose death because it's. <laughs> we we actually all right. A better quote. We actually had we had four honorable mentions from offense before, so we we can add one. Oh, more. Did we? Yeah, we did. We had Darbo, Mason, Glasgow, and Mayfield. Oh, so we can add one more honorable mention. I'd say it's Charlton and Gary. Yep, Charlton we, and Gary will leave, uh, and that makes Giddy and the guy on the chopping block, which I'm okay with. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think that's absolutely correct. All right, so let's run through our all-Harbaugh defense one last time before we call it a night. At safety, we deliberated. We went long and hard. Jabril Peppers was a lock. Josh Metellus was the second. Just the leadership and the longevity and the fact that he did it year in, year out, and had the the awards back that one up. Uh, Cornerback, obvious lock, Jordan Lewis there. Bit of a debate for the second guy. Lavert Hill ended up winning out. We gave an honorable mention to David Long. Yep, fine with this. It was a tough debate. This is one of the hardest discussions we had all podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you want to take us take us on? Yep, I will take us on. We will go to let's, let's linebacker. go linebacker. Yeah, let's go to linebacker. Where this discussion was also very. I mean, God, it was. Oh man. Yeah, it got it got tough. Way tougher than the offense tonight. Yeah, it was tough. We had Devin Bush consensus in the middle. Josh Uche at one side because of the production when he was on the field, just the absolute game breaker of game breakers here. And then the other one, which we really debated, maybe the closest cut uh, was Khalid Hudson over Mike McCray. Yeah, extremely difficult. Want to hear your uh, feedback on that one? in particular there in defensive end we may have gotten it wrong but i think we got it right at defensive tackle this one a little bit easier maurice hurst and ryan glasgow some debate with willie henry that was that was squashed pretty quickly and then by far the most difficult there at defensive end we ended up going with chase winovich and chris wormley the all leadership team there absolutely between wormley and chase winovich no wonder the culture was so good in 2016 on this team and 18. Yeah. When both, when those are the guys carrying the mouthpiece, you're in good shape. An interesting, so. an interesting stat here. When looking over everything on defense, on our defense, we put together, there's a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven all Americans, as opposed to two on the offense. It almost makes you mad because you really feel like you should have won more with the amount of studs that we just listed on. I mean, that is a rowdy defense. We just built. That is a, they said we I think we went through all of the tough cuts through there. We didn't leave anybody egregiously off. Some people are gonna read see just Josh Metellus when I put this in the post and get upset. But when you break it down and look at the comparison, it's like No, it's, it's right. It's it's, no, it's the right. right choice. This one I don't feel bad about at all. Easier to run on this team or pass on this team. I'm gonna say Come just pass just because Lavert Hill's on the field and I'm going weakest of weakest. You're not running on 
Winovich, Hurst, Glasgow, and Chris Wormley. It's going to be a nightmare to run on this team. It'd be a nightmare to throw on this team. I got to pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not going to play this team. Yeah. There's only two ways to move the ball. <laughs> We're not like reinventing some new forward pass option here. <laughs> I don't know you rugby punted against this team. Yeah, you only have about a second and a half. That's how many uh, was it? Ninety-four total yards of offense Michigan State had against Michigan in 2018. That's correct. Oh, see, yeah. and now this defense is better than that. Yeah, exactly. What a lovely time to be alive that was, and what a lovely exercise this was, my friend. I really enjoyed this. We're gonna take a week off. There will be no podcast next week. We need to collect our senses and discuss what we're going to be doing in the offseason. Definitely some interesting content. Uh, the one that we discussed earlier, maybe talking about uh, the reasons why Fielding Yost lost games in 1911. Maybe like the uh, the great steel shortage of 1901 and how that played into an 0-4 season. Things of this nature, but definitely coming with some really good, unique, off-the-wall content. Always Michigan-related, always relevant to you. Anything else from you, my friend, before we call it? Yeah, a fun one we also discussed is potentially why the 2013 team was actually better than 2011. Oh, we're definitely doing that one. Wait till you see some of these 2013 and 2017 stats. <laughs> it's just absurd. Like revisiting some of the teams, what team should have been better, what team should have been worse. There's, I mean, there's only, you know, 100 and like, what, 50 years of content to dig through. We'll find it and we'll bring it to you. That's our promise to you. But that's going to do it for us on Out of the Blue. We'd like to make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to Maze and Brew wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. And we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.